It is Monday. Oh, is it ever a Monday? Here on rawmikerichards.com, broadcasting live from the DKI studios in downtown Toronto. Coming up in just seconds, we're going to talk to the legendary Joe Bowen in Leafland. What are they going to do? Also, the U.S. Open. Boy, that was a bizarre tournament. And i got to be honest, one ugly-ass golf course, at least in terms of the conditions of the players, I, they, the course was the winner. You want to know who won the U.S. Open? Shinnecock. The course did. We'll also take a look at uh, some of the shenanigans in World Cup soccer. I know all of you who have joined up on the World Cup pool. <laughs> Dave, I'm getting killed. I'm just getting, I'm just getting destroyed. Anything that I saw happening, there's just been a lot of craziness, including Cristiano Ronaldo. Can, can you still argue that he's not the best player in the world? Because I think he kind of looked like it. So we'll get to some of that, and hopefully, other things will work too, like the phone. Oh, look at that. That is the that's the first thing that's worked with today. Wow, yeah. Hello. I'm looking for the legendary Joe Bowen. Hello, Michael. How are you? <laughs> well, do you really want to know? Because I gotta tell you, I can't believe Sorry we're so late, Joe. <laughs> this the, oh, oh, that's all right. The studio you, hasn't you, you stopped me at a good time because I was halfway between getting in the elevator to get up here or uh, getting trapped down there, so that worked out good. <laughs> well, we're thrilled uh, I, I should say my 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 co commissioner from the uh the uh, Wizard Foundation. How about that for two commissioners? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. That that that's the big paying job. There's no two ways about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. 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 They, they couldn't find two other guys, I'm sure. But uh, hey, <laughs> Joe, Joe, looking at uh, what is sort of top of mind, if you're a Flames fan, part of Flames Nation, uh, I would think for for some it's going to be John Tavares as they they rub their hands and think, is there uh, Maple Leafs? Maple, Maple Leafs. Leafs. Sorry, yeah. what did I say? Yeah, Flames. Okay, sorry. Uh, so hey, it's just been that kind of day and. <laughs> It's a good thing that we don't pack heat on the show. But uh, so, John Tavares, do you, do you do you like the chances at all? Is it a possibility, or are we looking at are we just blue skying it here? Well, I mean, I'm sure the Leafs are going to uh, do a presentation and 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 try to uh, uh, entice uh, him to uh, come home, if you will. Now they they attempted to do the same thing with Stephen Stamkos a couple of years ago, and Stephen elected to uh, stay with a team that he thought was closer to. Uh, getting to the Stanley Cup final, and, and his decision was probably correct because at that point, certainly uh, Tampa Bay was. Um, it will be very interesting to see how the Islanders approach this because obviously I think Tavares is frustrated with uh, having to uh, live on Long Island, practice there, come into the city uh, through the traffic and everything to get to uh, Barclays Center. Uh, they're... They're not going to rectify that with a new arena out at Belmont Park probably for at least three years. And next year they're going to play some games at the old Coliseum uh, in Nassau and, and the remainder in Brooklyn. So it will be interesting to see how, um, if in fact frustrated he is with that and with the, the fact the Islanders have really gone nowhere and, and seem to be going in reverse. But the other aspect is is that they have uh, you know signed with Lou Lamorello and Lose a, a sweet talker. We all know that. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that dynamic plays out. But I, I think that uh, uh, certainly John Tavares would be remiss if he didn't at least entertain offers and see exactly where 
and how much people are interested in his services for next year. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. You know, a free agent like this doesn't come around too, too often. It's a generational type player. We're looking at a top five player in the world. What would be the casualties, though, uh, based on what the Maple Leafs have on this roster? Because if Austin Matthews is getting paid what Austin Matthews is deserved, uh, you know, we have William Nylander, who's up for a contract uh, in a couple of years. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be looking at more and more players. And Tavares is going to come in in that you know that top five, top ten figure. Surely there there might be some casualties that you know maybe a maybe a Nylander has to go. Maybe maybe somebody else has to go. Do you do you anticipate that sort of thing happening as a, as the domino effect happens with the Maple Leafs if if this were to happen? Well, I mean, if it does, I mean, obviously you're uh, you're putting a a key component of your core is going to be John Tavares. Yes. Uh, then, of course, you have to identify who are the four or five other players that are going to be your core that you're going to have to get into the salary cap. And then you augment that with young players who aren't as expensive. And the one thing that the Maple Leafs have an abundance of right now, certainly with the Calder Cup champion Toronto Marley's team, is a lot of young players who are not going to be overly expensive for the next couple of years until uh, at such time that they may have to be sold off the way the Chicago Blackhawks did uh, with a lot of their uh, players after they won Stanley Cups. So, I mean, that, it's sort of the, the damned if you do and damned if you don't. They're gonna, if they're going to sign John Tavares, then they're certainly not going to re-sign uh, James Van Riemsdyk and Tyler Bozak, if in fact that is a situation that they're thinking of anyway. But having said that, um, I mean, John Tavares is a pretty good piece to be a part of your core player. And you can only imagine what the Leafs are like down the middle if you had Matthews, him, Kadri, and whoever plays on the fourth line. That's a pretty strong unit. We're in conversation with Joe Bowen here on rawmikerichards.com from the DKI studios in downtown Toronto. You know, you mentioned that Calder Cup win. I mean, that was, uh, that was really something. I think it's also a reflection, Joe, of just how – sort of solid and the depth that we're starting to see with this organization that, you know, and as you know, uh, we've both been around a long time. We've both seen, you know, uh, the best and the worst of, of, of this particular team. But in this sort of uh, particular model right now, uh, you know, I think that is a, you know, you, you've got now pieces of, of, of uh, you know, some assets to deal should you want to do something because you now have that uh, depth of organization, which again is also a little bit of a mirror image of what they wanted to see, you know, just like Detroit was at one point. They're certainly not now, but they were at one point, and this, it kind of has this very similar feeling to me. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, over the years, Michael, and, and watching other organizations, and I'll, I'll use the Montreal Canadiens as a, a perfect example back in the 70s and the 80s, and, and when I was in Nova Scotia uh, and, and in the early 1980s, their whole axiom was you had to earn the jersey. You uh, came out of junior hockey, and no matter what kind of a player you were, or high scoring or whatever, you're going to play in the American Hockey League. You're going to learn to play as a professional. You're going to learn to live on your own. You're going to learn to uh, how to prepare yourself, uh, both mentally, physically, um, and, and, and eating-wise and everything else. And you're going to earn the jersey, and then when you are overdone, then you might get an opportunity to play with the big club but you're not going to be rushed and pushed. And that, I think, is uh, an axiom that Brendan Shanahan 
has implemented into this organization, and it's a good one. And certainly the, the, the proof is in the pudding. They've got an abundance of good young players uh, coming out of the Marley situation this year who are going to be knocking on the door, pushing for jobs. And that's uh, giving them the depth that they, they can trade somebody. They can, uh, you know, uh, for the lack of a better thing, like, I mean, William Nylander, there's a nice tradable situation. Is he good enough to bring a top-flight defenseman back in return? Who knows? But they have somebody like Andreas Janssen who is knocking at the door that's going to be every bit as good to push William Nylander as well. So the, the whole idea of having that push from beneath is a very important part of any successful organization. And if you have a piece that you can trade and they have a piece that can fit right in there where that last piece went, then it's going to be a very big part of this organization going forward. And, and they've done that. They've done a nice job. They've augmented the Marlies with some veteran guys who are uh, you know, being paid well enough down there, but they're also uh, buying into the program to teach these guys how to be professionals, teach these guys how to win. Joe, uh, that, that's exactly the next question I was going to follow up on. We know some of the some of those Marlies will be graduating to the next level. One in particular, and I'm kind of curious, and I know you know it's it's totally Maple Leaf reporter like of me to say it, but I'm kind of curious about the backup goaltending situation because Gareth Sparks was the best goaltender outside of the NHL. And now he's going to be pushing for an opportunity to back up Freddie Anderson. Now, and I'm not trying to sit there and say Curtis McElhinney didn't do a good job because he did an awesome job last year. And and for that competition, that's one I'm starring when it comes to uh, September 1st and everybody comes to camp. I don't know about you, but but that's something that I'm kind of intrigued on. Where are they going to go and in which direction? Because Sparks has earned the right to at least challenge, if not take that position when everything's said and done in the fall. Absolutely, and uh, he's, he's, his record speaks for itself. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things was uh, Game 6. He didn't play very well. Boy, Game 7, he played terrific. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had, he's had a wonderful season. He has been the best goaltender in the American Hockey League, and you, at some point in time, have to reward these people for that. I, I mean, I, I agree. Curtis McElhinney did a wonderful job. I think that if, if Garrett Sparks uh, supplanted him as the backup goaltender, I think you're looking at uh, Sparks playing a lot more than what uh, McElhinney did in, in the previous couple of years as the, you know, the back-to-back guy and that sort of thing going forward. So uh, I think he would be in a position that he would be trying to push Frederick Anderson, and that's not a bad thing either. And, uh, you know, if he's going to play a little bit more for Anderson – then Anderson's going to be that much fresher when the playoffs arrive. So I, I think that that's a situation that, that really has to happen, to be honest with you, I think, David. I, you, don't, you don't do this over the course of a whole year, and goaltenders take longer, as we all know. But uh, Garrett Sparks has certainly paid his dues, and I think that he has to sit back after uh, sipping out of that Calder Cup and saying, you know what, they owe me a good shot at this job next year. And I think that that's... Uh, uh, that's something that will be within the organization going forward next next season and next training camp. Yeah, and I think uh, great to see the, the the kid's got a fabulous attitude too. I mean, he's just uh, he to me he's a winner all around. Uh, now, uh, Joe, if we're looking at the back end uh, with the with the blue liners, what do you think in terms of what they would like to see and who stays and who goes? What does the back end look like for the Leafs in the off season? Well, I mean, every team is looking for that elusive number one guy. 
I don't know, even if you look at the, at the Marlies and, and, and youngsters like Lilligren that they, they uh, brought on and played very well this, this season and played a lot at the American Hockey League level, I'm not sure if he's the quasi-essential number one guy. But having said that, uh, you take a look at some of the teams that uh, got uh, well into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I guess the, the most important one was the Vegas Golden Knights, and the last time I checked, no one gave up a number one defenseman in the draft for those guys. They had a whole bunch of number threes, fours, and maybe a two um, that augmented their staff. So I personally, and, and this is only my own reflection on it, I would like to see our defense be a lot more physical or at least have that aspect to it. Um, and I'm not sure that they have anybody – in the organization that's going to do that. Borgman is a bit of a, uh, an aggressive guy, but I don't think that he's certainly going to be a, like a number one or number two guy that, that can play physical. Uh, Roman Polak uh, tried to fill that role, but it's not likely he'll be back. So if there's going to be a situation with that defense that is augmented with it, they're going to get pushed with some of those kids coming up from the Marlies. But I think we're going to see some sort of a deal with one of the young forwards, especially if Tavares ended up coming here, uh, to, to look for a defenseman with some size and some uh, obviously skill, but also maybe a little bit of a mean streak attached to him. And, and when you took a look at the final uh, between those two teams, there was a lot of physical play. And I'm not sure even up front the Maple Leafs have that. So uh, um, I know Mike Babcock wants to play the, the fast game and, and puck possession and everything else. But every once in a while, you've got to have some physicality, I believe. And uh, I think that's one of the aspects of this hockey club that they're going to have to look at in the offseason. Yeah, it's definitely part of that shopping list, which we uh, definitely look forward to. Uh, final question from me, Joe. And uh, I, I know this is uh, already a couple couple weeks old news, but it, it's still something that uh, we're proud of. I'm sure you're very proud of as well. Uh, receiving the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award for uh, Outstanding Contributions to Hockey. You got the call from the hall. Uh, could you take us into how, how you got the call or where were you? I know when we talked to other Hall of Famers, uh, they always have uh, certain memories of, oh, I, I was here or I shared it with this person. I, first off, congratulations. It's awesome news. I know it's a couple weeks old, but we're, we're talking to you for the first time. And, and what actually happened on the day of the call? Well, uh, it's <laughs> kind of strange. I mean, uh, obviously, I, I guess the bottom of the barrel has been reached. Oh, that, please, that's come the on. First <laughs> my, I think my name was stuck on the bottom there or whatever. But Chuck Chuck Caden is the president of the Broadcasters Association, mm. and uh, Mike Emmerich and uh, a couple of others uh, are involved in the uh, selection process. And uh, um Chuck, I, I, it was funny because we had been uh, texting one another back and forth. I, I heard that uh, uh, Chuck was in some contract issues with the, uh, the new ownership in Carolina, and I was kind of sending him a little note to uh, kind of add my support to him and whatever we could do and help and whatnot. And uh, after a couple of days of that, and uh, about a week later, he phoned me and and just said, uh, are you sitting down? And I said, not yet. And so <laughs> I did. He said, well, this has nothing to do with our issue down here in Carolina. I just wanted to tell you that uh, you are the Foster Hewitt Award winner for uh, 2018. And it, it means a great deal, obviously. And, and I've, I've used this analogy 
I've watched the, uh, the Green Bay Packers winning the Super Bowl with Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre, and they're in the dressing room, and Holmgren has the Vince Lombardi trophy, and his comments to the team were, every football player really wants to win this, but we're from Green Bay. We know who this trophy is named after. We live in the shadow of Vince Lombardi's statue outside of Lambeau Field, and so it means more to us bringing this trophy back to Green Bay because of what it's named after. Well, I grew up listening and idolizing Foster Hewitt and Bill Hewitt and Danny Gallivan and people like that. And to be the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and really there's been only four as far as the radio is concerned, I guess. Foster, uh, along with Ron Hewitt, who is no relation to Foster, uh, Peter Marr for a couple of years, and then for the last 36 years, it's been me sitting in that chair and um, so this this award will mean a great deal to me because it is uh, named after a, a former wonderful broadcaster of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, I'm I'm sitting in his chair, so uh, it means a great deal. Well, we're happy for you, and also I should also give you a congratulations because I thought as this conversation started with the Foster Hewitt Award, how is Joe mm-hmm. going to somehow work? the Green Bay Packers <laughs> into this conversation and you did it and you found a way. I did it. Well, I, if I'd known there was a bet on, I would have phoned David earlier and we could have really got this in early. But, uh... <laughs> well, it's a, it's a tremendous uh, accomplishment. Awesome. And, and yeah. again, I know uh, where your heart is and, you know, sometimes people are called lifers, but, but that's what you are. You've, you, you've grown up in the rinks, uh, you've called in all the rinks and now your son uh, up in Sudbury, you know, I mean, that's that, that to me is also a wonderful story because it's such a reflection of the importance of not only just the game, Joe, in your family and what it's meant to your family, but it's, it's the culture of hockey. It's, it's the thing that, that binds us all together. It's the, it's the reason why when the disaster and the devastation of Humboldt, uh, occurred, you know, you, you're a part of that, that, that circle that understands and reaches out because it, it touches all of us. It touched all of Canada. And that's what the, to me, Joe, what the culture of hockey is. And it's how it's embraced in different families, and your family is a great example of that. Well, I thank you for that, uh, Mike. And, and you're right it, it, for the length and breadth of this nation, and uh, the hockey community is 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 a fairly small one. I mean, you know, in, in retrospect, but uh, very tight. And uh, the Humboldt thing was obviously uh, something that everyone rallied to, and and not only in Canada. This was. Uh, uh, I had um, a young man who was involved in trying to get hockey going in Ireland. Uh, wanted to know what he could do. Uh, could they send something? And 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 that was. Uh, I mean, that that, that speaks uh, volumes uh, because uh, um, if you have spent any time uh, at all in this game and gone at any level, you've spent time on a bus. You've spent time uh, away from home. You've spent time. Uh, being billeted by families, you've uh, you've dreamt of being uh, a broadcaster, and and we lost one of those uh, in that tragedy. So all of this, uh, the the dreams and aspirations of all of these kids were there, and it it touched home. Whether you uh, had still have those aspirations, or whether those aspirations have been you've been told no, you're not good enough, but you still love the game and you love the sport, and you're certainly a very uh, uh, very much attuned to what went on with that, and that's uh, it was a tragedy. But from it all, I think uh, a, a tremendous amount of outpouring and good has come from it, 
as only it could in a hockey community. Uh, well said. Uh, and, and thanks so much, uh, Joe, for uh, joining us here on the, on the show today. Yeah, it's so, great talking to you guys. I haven't had this is the first time. I hope it's not the last. Well, no, and we're also broadcasting from a bar, so don't tell Jim Ralph because I really don't no, no, no. feel like having no, no, those no, issues. No. Will, so. I be, will I be able to be down there fairly early? <laughs> well, it is, it, the World Cup must really help you guys out because they're opening the bars early, aren't they? Uh, I don't know about this one. This this is an interesting location. <laughs> where this is uh, somehow I think it's illegal. I don't know what goes on in this place, but I, I don't know oh, if I think it's above board. <laughs> hey, and Ireland's not in it, so I'm not as excited no, as that's I. That's right. So who cares? Yeah, that exactly. that that's right. <laughs> Head back to the golf course and have another beer. Hey, hopefully I'll see you this summer too, Joey. Uh, always uh, awesome having you in the show. Thanks so much. Joe. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Joe. Good talking to you guys. Take care. That is uh, the legendary Joe Bowen, and uh, always. Uh, just a, a great guy, really happy, and I'm, gl- I'm glad, David, that uh, that you brought that up because uh, if I knew he was going to say something, you know, uh, mm-hmm. self-deprecating. But the fact is, uh, for most people who have grown up in this area and, and certainly of a certain age group, th- that voice of the Leafs in their head yes. is Joe Bowen. Well, it's funny. When they made the announcement on June the 1st, uh, and, and like I said, we brought it up because it was the first time we've talked to him since – so we're a couple of weeks after the fact, but nonetheless, still very exciting and will be very exciting this November. Uh, it's it's funny when I when I saw the news, I was like, "You mean he isn't already in?" See, that's what because I like, thought he I, was. Yeah, I thought he was too. I thought he I was. was. Like, this isn't right, you know. I, I don't know. I, I, I maybe it's just me and because I thought I, I read it wrong when yeah. I first came in. I said, "No, no, he's already oh, yeah. in. He's I'm in a, there." I'm a Jets fan, but when I first moved to the city, obviously I knew about him, listening here and there. This guy should have been in the Hall of Fame 20 years ago. Yeah. That's how good this yeah. guy is. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, uh, congratulations to him and his entire family. And uh, it's pretty awesome that a friend is yeah. going to yeah. the Hall of Fame. And we look forward to that induction in um, early November. So let's um, let's watch our friend in action. This is, uh, this is property of Sportsnet. Uh, they, they, they ran this during Game 6 against the Bruins where they force a game seven uh, in the playoffs. And it is uh, it is great to see his work. And there's Ralphie, you know, uh, you know, with him. But the fact that they captured really what Joe does and the magic that is Joe Bowen and just what that game meant to, to Leaf Nation, I guess I would put it that way, this is a look that you don't often see. So I thought, you know, and again, a property of, uh, of Sportsnet and, and probably the Toronto Maple Leafs, here is our good friend, the Foster Hewitt Award winner, live in action, Game 6, Leafs Bruins. Flicked him right on, they score! We He keeps it in, tried to get it in front of the net, the back and scores! It's Joe Barter! And the Maple Leafs are not going to have a goalie interference on this one. 2-1 Toronto! Bruins back. Great save by Brown! Cleared by Kappen and down the ice! Holy Mackinac, Connor Brown! That leprechaun is flying out there! Proved near side! Pass to the other side. Across comes Anderson to make a save on Krejci. Proof shooting. Anderson has it underneath him. Holy Mackinac is an amazing bit of work as Marner escapes the penalty box. Long shot. Blocker. There goes Rask to the bench. Empty net. Leafs get it out in center. To the line. Here's Placanitz. Scores! How about that? 
<laughs> Pretty exciting. You know, Joe. Hurry has, up, October. So much. Let's start this season. Joe has so much volume. We, him and I had to do a remote when uh, when I was working for the fan years ago. And so uh, it was usually Derringer and myself. Uh, John was a part of this, so it was myself and Joe Bowen. And, of course, because, Dave, it's, uh, it's uh, I guess, central time, right? So it's another – so it's now earlier. <clears throat> so now you're really getting up early. Joe just naturally has that volume. So there you are getting up. We stayed up a little late. You know, it was in Chicago. I'd never really done that. So we're going down to the morning show. The Drake Hotel, the beautiful Drake Hotel. And I'm like, uh, hey, Joe, how's it going? Hello, Michael, my boy. I was like, oh. Oh, boy. What is He's your... on 10 already. Were you born in a pipe factory? Why do you talk so loud? <laughs> uh, but he is uh, really one of the uh, one of the all-time beauties. Uh, you're watching, hopefully, RonLikeRichards.com on YouTube and the website. I got my fingers crossed for everything today because whoever the losers were in this uh, facility last night at Sunday night had it completely destroyed. And Devin has to come in and put it together with uh, duct tape. I think there's some some Q-tips somewhere. I don't, I don't know how this thing is working today. We hopefully uh, have this on because he worked hard to uh, get this up and going. And so that's why we were... A little late. Uh, just then, a tad, just yeah. A, just a tad that late. Happens. But, hey, starts off with uh, Joe Bowen. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Some people have a problem with Phil Mickelson. Some people did not like what they saw on 13th. And I have to admit, as it came down live, I'm thinking, <laughs> what? Did I just see what I think I just saw? Do I see that when we golf with all my other Hammenager friends? Have I seen that? Yeah, like a hundred times. It's usually followed by... <laughs> Two things, either fuck, and then it was like mark me down for a five, a five. I, I, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, if we're playing with Louie, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Bogue, yeah, Bogue. What? Put me down for a four there. Yeah, but yeah, the ball, uh, but you stick handled it. You, you, you just <laughs> no. You, you were on the green in seven. How did, how, how did you get a bogey out of that? Did, but when you watch that, didn't you? Th- <laughs> didn't. Did you think you saw what you thought you saw? It was weird. It was weird. He, he knew exact when he putted that 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 putt that went left to right, and then he kind of marches over. And I'm like, he's not going to hit it, is he? Because a lot of times the golfers will hit it, and they'll just admire it or watch it, or if it goes by the hole, kind of react to it. He motored over to the other side of the green, tap. <laughs> like I've seen guys <laughs> who don't like their putt, they know it's bad right away. They start walking kind of with the ball. Waiting for the ball to stop, stop rolling eventually. Yes. Naturally, yes, Dave. Yes. Naturally, this isn't one of those pissy rules where someone has to, someone who was on the course <laughs> or someone watching in Afghanistan calling something in, uh, you know, to the the royal and ancient or whatever. However that works. So, the obvious question, and this is courtesy of uh, Fox. This is property of the PGA. Here's the question. It's a simple question. What happened over at thirteen? Uh, look, I, I don't mean I don't mean disrespect by anybody. I know it's a two-shot penalty, and uh, at that time, I just didn't feel like going back and forth and hitting the same shot over. I took the two-shot penalty, moved on. It's uh, it's uh, my understanding of the rules. I, I've had multiple times where uh, I've wanted to do that. I just finally did. Did you think the ball was going to roll off the green when oh, you hit it? No question. It was going to go down into the same spot behind the bunker. It wasn't going to have a shot. And I don't know if, if I would have been able to save a shot or whatnot, but I know it's a two-shot penalty hitting a moving ball. I tried to hit as close to the hole as I could to make the next one. And, um, uh, you know, you take the two shots, you move on. Does it show disrespect to the championship? 
It's certainly not meant that way. It's meant to, uh, you know, take advantage of the rules as best uh, as best as you can. And uh, in that situation, it was just going. I was just going back and forth, and uh, I would I'd gladly take the two shots over uh, continuing that uh, that display. You're really admired around this golfing world, especially here at the U.S. Open. What do you say to those people that love you so much, follow you? Do you regret what you've done? I've had an awesome day. The people here have been incredible. It's been, uh, you know, singing happy birthdays, wishing happy birthdays. The people here have made coming here over the decades an, an awesome experience. And I, I had, uh, you know, it's it's a fun it's a fun birthday. I don't mean it in any disrespect. And if that's the way people took it, uh, I apologize to them. But that's not the way it was taken. I took the two shot penalty, moved on, and and uh, there's not much more to. Say. Oh, there it is. He said, not much more to say. He. Uh... He feels that uh, there was nothing inappropriate and it wasn't disrespectful to the game. Dave Bastel? Yeah, I'm fine with it. We move on. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, mean, like, I know if, a lot of people. If you're sitting there watching that going, oh, I'm so disrespectful. Go screw yourself. Go screw yourself. Really? That bothers you? Man, get a life. I'm just trying to figure out because I've been Googling it right now. What's the nickname for 10 in golf? Because I've never, you know, I, I've, I've hit a 10. I'm sure I've hit a 10. I don't remember the last time I scored a 10 on a hole, but there must be a nickname. Well, after Snowman, what is nine? Yeah. See, I'd have never. I don't. Yeah, cause, cause because seven, seven is hockey stick. I have seven is hockey stick. Yeah. Eight is Snowman. Nine, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. Because that's such an implosion. Yeah. <laughs> that even with you golf with guys, if they get up to eight, I, I mean, that's what you're saying. You know, we're not on the tour. Pick up the ball and uh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, like I'm looking, I'm looking at golf slang on uh, on Golf Digest, and I'm just trying to just give me what ten means. I mean, I like I'd, I'd call it a Howard Chuck, but I that's I, not I, good for Dale. I think no. Howard Chuck's going. What are you talking about, Bastel? Okay, I call it a Maradona. I I don't know. You know what I mean? Like a ten, a double digit. Man, that's that's awesome. I think it's awesome to tell you the truth. I just want to know a nickname for for what. <laughs> what a good 10 yeah. on a scoreboard yeah. is. Okay, so there's your question today. What would you call a 10? What is the appropriate nickname for a 10 score you know on an individual? You know what we'd call it? We'd what? call it the Bo Derrick. That's not bad. Because it's That's a, not bad. Because it's an older reference. But if someone said Bo Derrick, you're saying, yeah, 10. I like those. So there, oh, there See? it is. There so Dave go. Bastel says Bo Derrick. Bo Derrick. You, you Bo derrick the third hole uh, or whatever it is. Coach Frank says nine could be a Gordy. I like that. Yeah, Gordy. Yeah, Gordy. If, yeah, that makes if sense. If you're in Montreal, it's a rocket. You, in this case, not not good. Normally, no. it's, hey, you 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 uh, you got a rocket? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's that's a nine. If you're in Chicago, it's a it's a Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? We're gonna throw that out, and you'll see this on Twitter. So give us your answer. You're watching RawMikeRichards.com. Hopefully on the website and or on uh, the dedicated YouTube channel. Speaking of. Uh, Okay, this was this was just always kind of a weird weekend for me. It's it happens every once in a while because of when my birthday is. But Father's Day birthday, as uh, as Vicky gave me that lovely message on uh, on the That's Thursday right. before we left, uh, and it also was the start of the CFL season. And as I kept waiting <laughs> for the game to be kicked off, and then of course the lightning came. Uh, it's in Winnipeg. It's uh, it is against the Eskimos. It's uh, Strevner. The, the the new quarterback. And then, like, the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments weather came in, and it kept pushing the game on and on. And eventually, I had to tap out, Dave. I, I, I couldn't stay up for the whole thing. No, me too. That was interesting. So we had uh, – should we start with the kick return then? Do you have that, or do you have something else up here? Yeah, you've got the kick return. Okay, so this is, this is right when all this crap is happening. This is game number one. 
but at least it had, aside from the excitement of lightning, it also had the excitement of this, uh, once again, courtesy property of CFL slash Bell and TSN. This for an eight-point lead after two quarters. Wide. Kevin Fogg. They've got here. Slashes down the sideline. Still on his feet. Kevin Fogg. He can go. He's going to go. He's going to score a touchdown here. Oh, my goodness. That was a beauty. So some number fives in there, Dave. Mm-hmm. You know who that is in blue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So there's your excitement. There was also something exciting in BC that actually this was great. didn't involve a player. But here's what I find interesting. Should have so, hit him harder. So that's, uh, Devin, I think that's the second one I'm going to go to. I want to go to the to the first one. So we've seen for years in different uh, generations, different eras, Perfect. where a guy is going to walk on to a football field. Sometimes security gets them, sometimes they don't. In this particular occasion, security did not get to him first. Once again, property of CFL, Bell, TSN. This might be the best hit of the weekend. There's no security, man. Very funny, running in his underwear, no pants, whatever. We'll call him Russell. Yeah, there's Russell. Watch the teammate come over and start laughing. <laughs> okay, so in our world, that was awesome. That was great. That was so great. And anybody that defends that and saying he shouldn't have hit him, you're a loser. Okay, and you're get, a big loser. But Dave, where do you where where was the game played? In BC. Yeah. So <laughs> losers. People shouldn't. So here's now global oh. television from, from you know covering the event. So this is courtesy of global TV. I knew this was coming. They should. I struck like, first. You know what? <laughs> this just sickens me. Here's the report. Air dealt with a rogue spectator. Well, the venue says the fan was in the wrong. Many think the player was too. Brianna Karsten Smith explains. Fans watching the BC Lions home opener saw on TV. A little bit of a delay here. But this is what happened at BC Place. A spectator jumping onto the field wearing no shoes or pants and running around until defensive back Marcel Young had enough. The sheer impact and the man's reaction captured clearly in photos. Awesome. As he stayed shaken on the ground, both the Montreal Alouettes and those in the stands <laughs> yeah. couldn't believe what happened. Everyone sort of like found it like funny that I got hit by a player, but then I think some people were sort of like, is he allowed to do that? As the video circulated on social media, those concerns were echoed. Sports broadcaster Rob Fay posting, I can't condone that hit. The fan is completely oh, wrong, but it's not worth it for players to take those measures. And a fan writing, leave it to security. That's their job. But witnesses say there wasn't any around. I like the fact that like security took their time to get out there sort of like 
A bit concerning for player safety too. A spokesperson for the venue says staff acted exactly as they're supposed to. If they don't have an imminent threat, say something in their hand, the protocol is not to chase them and risk further injury to themselves or, or other people. According to the team, Marcel Young is not facing any disciplinary action from the league at this time. This is their workplace, and I, I personally feel it's highly disrespectful when these type of things happen. As for the brazen fan, he's been banned from the venue for a year and issued a citation for trespassing. Officials say he cut his foot jumping onto the field, yeah, but they weren't sure if the big hit caused any other injuries. Brianna Kirsten-Smith, CTV News, Vancouver. So worried about people who now... Not only break the law, because that's what it is when yeah. you go to those games. Do they tell you? Like in the, in the States, it's like you, you get on that field, it's $25,000 or yeah. whatever it is. It's the, huge. The guy the guy should be thrown in, in front of a judge, and he should face some sort of, if it's trespassing or whatever it is, what the rule is. On the back of every single ticket, they actually tell you what you can and can't do for the most part. You don't enter the ring, the hockey rink, the stadium, whatever that field that the sport you're watching you cannot go on it. If you go on it, that's what you pay. The player was absolutely in the right. You And you know what? Maybe he didn't have anything in his hands. Maybe he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. He's not concentrating on that. And, and you know what? The other thing, too, is what's in his pants or his shorts or his underwear in this case? I don't know. You know what? The best defense of that is an offense, and I, and I applaud the player for doing that because it, it, it finished the situation right there where it probably should have finished about 30, 40 seconds earlier. All great points, and look at it this way, Dave. So let's just say they tell players now to not interact with that kind of uh, trespassing, that kind of interference. So you think that I'm going to sit there, and there you are. You're a de defensive back mm -hmm. for, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and someone runs on the field, and they come right up to you. And they're telling you to not do anything. Yeah, bingo. Exactly. You're telling me that's the way to go because I can't have you uh, basically defenseless against we don't know what that is. Yeah. And and you're not the one that crossed the boundary. You're bingo. not the one that instigated the contact. Yeah, you didn't see you didn't see that defensive back run into section thirty five right. and, and sit in seat number seventeen. Yeah. Okay. You didn't see that. You saw you saw idiot who should have got a lifetime ban to BC Place or whatever the hell they're calling that stadium these days. Not the one year in a citation. Isn't he, is, it, is it a lifetime, though? I, I think he's, no, it might have been a... No, it said one year. One year? Oh, I thought one it was year. lifetime. They're not allowed to go to the venue for one... That's like, lifetime. Wow. Lifetime. That's what it should have been. It's like, don't go on the field because you have no business being there. First of all, you haven't earned the right to be there. These are some of the best athletes in North America, whether you like CFL or not. Whatever it is... That guy got exactly what he deserved, and I would throw him in front of a judge, and I hope he would receive some sort of mega fine or some community service just to set up an example because you have idiots like that that go onto the field to go on a hockey rink at least once every couple of weeks, it seems. And you know what? This World Cup's underway here. I know we're only on day number, what is it, four or five or whatever it is. Mark my words, some jackass is going to go on one of the fields in the next month, and yeah. they should be treated the same way. Of course. In Russia, they might have a different way with dealing with someone exactly. who's going to do something exactly. crazy in front of Putin. Exactly. It's going to be, it's going to be, and then a little thing from Putin going, take him out. 
that, that, is, that is the last place I'd ever want to yeah. stream. Go ahead. I, I wouldn't Try to grab some of the turf in <laughs> Moscow in front of Putin and friends. I wouldn't streak at a CIS game, but if, but if I'm ever thinking, hey, you know what? Here's a good idea. Don't do it in Russia. No, that that wouldn't be a good move. So uh, all in all, this day is sort of a crazy weekend. Recap, Stamps continue to beat up on Hamilton as they have 13 times in a row is uh, how that worked out. You know, it was close until the fourth quarter. Yeah, but and, and Masoli, that's why he's the starter. But, yeah. but, but I don't know if you see that communication between him and Johnny Manziel. This is all good. I think it's all still a win. I think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you know, there's a reason why uh, uh, Chris Jones is considered a defensive guru. That defense was really good. Yeah. And if, if you start t- taking away all those receivers and Ricky Ray is standing in the pocket, he ain't going to run out of it. Nope. <laughs> He's not going to do a lot of running. So what do you think, Strevner? What did you take away I from thought, that game? I thought he played okay. I, I, you know, for a first, for for a first a, time for a first yeah. down. You know what? He only threw just under 200 yards, so that, that's obviously not, not, uh, not what you want in the CFL because 200 yards is usually a good half yeah. for a quarterback. But you know what? First time... In a pro game, he was playing in college like six months ago. Yeah. So you know what? Good start. We'll see what happens. But uh, before we go, I should couple programming notes tomorrow. Right in studio, we have uh, athletic health expert Peggy Constopoulos who will drop by. She's uh, she's promoting a couple off season uh, workout regimen uh, regimens and and uh, and what to do to stay healthy mm-hmm. in the off season hockey or anything like that uh also she has a, a brand new um uh whatchamacallit health food bar that we'll sample so we'll have her in studio tomorrow and on wednesday not sure if you guys saw it on twitter but on wednesday liam mcguire will join us on the phone we'll try the phone again and we're going to be there at 10 30 by the way well this show's going to start at 10 he had this awesome experience last week where Guy Lafleur picked him up in a helicopter. I saw pictures. I saw and, the pictures. Yeah, we're going to let Liam explain it because this is the ultimate, yeah. ultimate fan experience that he was part of. And Guy Lafleur, a lot of people may not know this, Guy Lafleur is Liam's favorite player of all time. And Liam basically knows every single player that's ever played ever. hockey ever in the NHL. Yeah. And in the American Hockey League and the ECHL and the IHL and so forth. But so, yeah, Liam on Wednesday. So tell me, Dave Bastel, when you saw that, what did you think? I know what you thought. And don't and don't lie. I, I know it. Should it'd... be another number yeah, 10. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I LaFleur was great though. I, I love Guy LaFleur. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Guy LaFleur. And some of the Guy LaFleur stories. What? The ultimate. I wonder if he was smoking, too. He used to smoke a pack in between, like, uh, periods. I know, I know. The good old days. So what's wrong with smoking? Thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us. I know most people watch it not live, so we're uh, we're good with that. Okay, yeah. And uh, so, therefore, I think we got to, as the studio continues to crumble behind me, thank uh, Devin. For coming in and... and uh, putting out the fire. Putting out the... Ah, that was just... Become the fireman. The dicks that were in here last night, and I use that term maybe literally. Let's get ready to well, there was a couple umbrellas outside uh, the studio yeah, that uh, may have been... Uh, anyway. Okay, so tomorrow, fitness and fun. And I'll bring in a big jug of ride just to show her there's another way to go about it, too. The wrong way. See you tomorrow.